chosen for this afternoon and do know that you can send through your SMSs as well as your WhatsApps through to the WhatsApp number and the SMS number. But for now, Sheikh, assalamu alaikum to you. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing this afternoon? Alhamdulillah. And how is Sister Yasmina? I'm alhamdulillah, Sheikh. We're looking at a hadith and we're looking at the sciences of hadith as well as a little bit later we're going to be branching into the 40 hadith compiled by Imam An-Nanawi. An-Nanawi. And now are we yes. always get confused. <laughs> I always get confused uh, with that uh, name. Uh, and then also, Sheikh. Now are we that is attributed to a Qariya, a village in Syria called Nawa. Mm-hmm. And Nanawi is attributed to a place in Iraq called Nainawa. Oh, wow. So Nainawa and Nawa. Oh. Al Imam Nawawi is from Nawa in, mm. in Syria. But inshallah we'll get into that uh, in the second half of the program. We definitely will. And just before we continue the program, just a brief reminder that due to the rainy weather, the MJC Women's Forum Ping Hijab Day Picnic has been moved to Mashidul Irshad, the Mitchell's Plain Avenue, that is Woodlands, Mitchell's Plain. The Imam at the mosque is Sheikh Abu Bakr Gabriels. So please bring your picnic baskets and they apologize for the any inconvenience. And then also the Voice of the Caves Ping Hijab Day happening next week, Tuesday, which is the 31st of October. For more information, you can give us a call on 021-442-3500. But now, Sheikh, over to you, inshallah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala amma ba'd. Sister Yasmina, respected listeners of the Voice of the Cape, and also to our technician, Brother Fadil, Brother Nazim Peterson. Oh, brother's name has brother Nazim was taken. A <laughs> brother Fadil was there before. Yes, yes. he was. <laughs> Inshallah, to our technician, to our presenter, to all the respected listeners. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yesterday we are carrying on with our topic of ilm al-mustalah, mustalah al-hadith, mustalah being the classifications of hadith with regards to that which is accepted and that which is rejected. Now, last week we went through the 10 foundational principles of ulum al-hadith and uh, we ended speaking a little bit about the development of the science and who was the first person that wrote about the science. And I want to now just refresh our memories and then culminate in the authoring of this particular text. Now, yesterday we spoke in length about the author of our of our text on Aqidah, mm. Aqidatul Awam. If you remember the author, Sayyid Ahmad Ibn Ramadan. Al-Marzuki, yes, you remembered, <laughs> mashallah, sister Yasmina. Sayyid Ahmad Ibn Ramadan, Al-Marzuki. Alhamdulillah, we looked at... Um, at him in quite a little bit of detail and also how he is connected to the people of Cape Town subhanallah not just in his work but also in relation subhanallah 
that his only daughter is the grandmother of the Kutbi family, one of the grandmothers of the Kutbi family, a family which Capetonians, uh, particularly uh, sisters from Cape Town, have married into, subhanAllah. But today, when we look at our text on the uh, the science of of hadith, mustalah al-hadith, we find that our author, we know nothing about him, uh, except for the fact, and there's even difference of opinion as to what his name or exactly is. Some of the ulama have said his name is Taha. Uh, some of the ulama have said his name is Umar. But what we have is that uh, Al-Imam Al-Bayquni that his name is Umar ibn Muhammad ibn Futuh Al-Bayquni Al-Dimashqi meaning he's from Damascus. Al-Bayquni Al-Dimashqi he's from Damascus as I said there is a difference of opinion as to whether his name is Umar or Taha but inshallah we will go with uh, what I have with me and that is the uh, the commentary on the Al-Manzuma Al-Bayquniya by um, Abdullah Sirajuddin Abdullah Sirajuddin uh, Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin was a very famous uh, Syrian scholar from Halab a very famous Syrian scholar from from Halab very renowned in uh, in tafsir and hadith rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him a high place in Jannah. in actual fact he is the father in law of Sheikh Nuruddin Itr who is still alive who is in Damascus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect him and all the ulama he is also considered to be an authority in the science of hadith Sheikh Nuruddin Itr the son in law of Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin who is the uh, commentator on this particular text Al-Manzuma Al-Bayquniya and so what we have in terms of our author not much except to say that according to Sheikh Abdullah Sirajuddin his name is Umar the son of Muhammad the son of Futuh Al-Bayquni Al-Dimashqi Al-Shafi'i so Al-Dimashqi he comes from Damascus, a Shafi'i, that was his madhab, in fiqh. And all we have in terms of his life is that he died in the year 1080 after Hijrah. 1080 after the Hijrah. So you can say just, uh, just under 400 years ago is when he passed away, rahimahullah ta'ala. And even though that he is unknown or there's not much that is known about him or about his life, um, Umar al-Bayquni, his text that he has written, these 34 lines that he has written on the science of the hadith has had such acceptance by the ulama all over the Muslim world and has been studied ever since then right up till this present day and alhamdulillah we are studying it here in madrasa on air mm-hmm. you know these ulama they were they were truly as al-imam shafi says these were those ulama al-imam shafi of which al-imam shafi rahimahullah ta'ala says that if the ulama are not the friends of allah then allah has no friends al-imam shafi that's his statement 
And that is in light of that verse that we have repeated time and time again, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَى اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ That those that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most out of His servants, are those who have been endowed with knowledge. And these ulama, they, they were of that caliber. Everything that they learned, they implemented into their lives. It made them more humble, more humble in front of their Creator, more humble in front of creation, and through that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevated them. Whoever humbles themselves for the sake of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uplifts them and elevates them. That's according to the hadith of a beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And so you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He puts barakah into their works. He puts barakah into the knowledge that they have left behind. And knowledge that they continue to benefit from in the Qabr and inshallah on the day of Yawm Qiyamah. Because إذا مات ابن آدم إن قطع عمله إلا في ثلاث. That if mankind passes away, our beloved Prophet وسلم, says, if mankind passes away, then all of his actions are cut off except for three things Sadaqatun Jariya, a perpetual charity that he leaves behind, bihi, and knowledge. That others benefit from. So here we have a 34 line poem. That, I mean, it, it would probably be impossible for us to count how many people have benefited from this text over the last 360, 70 odd years, and how many people have then benefited from those people that have studied it, and so on and so forth. So our author here. Uh, Sheikh Omar Ibn Muhammad Ibn Fatuh Al-Bayquni, MashaAllah, is certainly reaping the rewards of this great work that he has left with us. Excellent. The voice there of Sheikh Riyad Wilson. We are definitely focusing on hadith as well as looking a little bit into the background of the author, inshallah. But for now, we break for ads. When we come back, we'll continue the show. Stay tuned. Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson and we are joined in studio by none other than Sheikh Riyad Wolves and we are speaking about a hadith and just before the ad break you heard Sheikhs doing a little bit of in-depth uh, information in terms of the author that we are looking at this afternoon inshallah. But for now I will hand over to Sheikh to continue where we stop Sheikh Tafatul. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa la amma ba'd. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sister Yasmina, I wish it was in depth, but as uh, I mentioned before the break, we don't have much information about our author. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shower him with his mercy and grant him a high place in Janatul Firdos. What we have is what he left behind a extremely summarized text 34 line long manzuma or didactic poem on the classification of a hadith a text which has been celebrated far and wide in the ummah of muhammad and something which has been studied many commentaries have been made on it and if you look at it in terms of chronological order, it comes after all the great scholars that have served this science of hadith. In fact, I mentioned last week, I mentioned the first person that 
that wrote a book, Mustaqillan, an independent work covering this particular science of the classification of the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and that is none other than Al-Qadi Abu Muhammad Al-Ramahurmuzi and uh, he passed away in 360 Hijri it's the first independent work that was written uh, on this particular science then basically if we, if we must follow the chronological order of the great authors in the science of hadith of Mustalar hadith then after him we'll find Al-Hafidh Al-Khatib Abu Bakr Al-Baghdadi who wrote a famous work called Al-Kifaya Fi Ilm Al-Riwaya and then after him we have Al-Qadi Iyad and then after Qadi Iyad we have a scholar to whom all the great scholars of hadith that came thereafter returned to and quote he becomes the the authority in the science of hadith and that is none other than then Ibn al-Salah, Uthman Ibn al-Salah and he has a famous work called Muqaddimatu Ibn al-Salah the introduction of Ibn al-Salah into the science of hadith and we see people like Al-Hafid Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani who is considered to be uh, the, one of the greatest scholars uh, that this ummah has ever seen in the science of, of hadith riwayatan wa dirayatan in terms of the study of the chain of transmission as well as the transmission itself as well as the study of hadith in general he has the most famous and most celebrated commentary on the compilation of a hadith of al-imam al-bukhari and that is Fathul bari in fact um, there's a hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad La Hijrat Ba'd al Fath. That there's no migration after the Fath Makkah, after the Muslims conquered Makkah, then there's no more migration from Makkah. Makkah is now uh, Diyar al Muslimin. It is now the place of Islam, it is now the place of the Muslimin. So now there's no Hijrah from Makkah after, after Fath Makkah. Now the ulama of hadith, they use this in praise of Fathul Bari. Fathul Bari, which is the commentary of Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani on the compilation of a hadith of Al-Imam al-Bukhari. So they say, La hijrat ba'd al-Fath, meaning after you have studied Fathul Bari, then there's no need to study any other commentary on the compilation of a hadith of Al-Imam al-Bukhari. So we find scholars like Al-Hafidh Ibn Hajr, we find scholars like Al-Zain al-Iraqi, like Al-Imam al-Zarqashi, they all basically made what they call Nukat, made commentaries on the Muqaddimah, the introduction of Ibn al-Salah in this particular science of Hadith. And then we have of course the great scholars like Al-Imam al-Nawawi and Al-Imam al-Suyuti and even al Al-Hafidh al-Iraqi, Zainuddin Abu Fadl Abdul Rahim al-Iraqi, he wrote a thousand line poem on the Muqaddimah of Ibn Salah. لَخَسْتُ فِيهَا بِنَ الصَّلَاحِ أَجْمَعَ وَزِدْتُهَا عِلْمًا تَرَاهُ مَوْدِعًا He literally says that I have لَخَسْتُ He also says I summarized the introduction of Ibn Salah in a thousand line poem. وَزِدْتُهَا عِلْمًا تَرَاهُ مَوْدِعًا and where I have seen it necessary, I have 
added onto it. So this is why when I, and I've mentioned this before, I'm going to mention it again. The, the texts that we are dealing with, Sister Yasmina, on this program are actually for children. We are dealing with a poem that is 34 lines long. Al-Hafid al-Iraqi, on this particular science, he wrote a thousand line poem. Like the work that we are studying today, Manzumat al-Bayquniya, and like the work that we spoke about yesterday, Aqiratul Awam, these are texts that are given to children. And there's no harm in us as adults memorizing them. We're never too old to learn. In actual fact, something I thought of yesterday, I would encourage uh, especially the mothers, because the mother is the, the lap of the mother is the first university of the child. Mm. That's why Ahmad al-Shawqi, in his poem, he says, Al-Ummu Madrasatun Ida A'adattaha A'adatta Sha'ban Tayyib al-A'raqi Or Tayyib al-A'raqi He says, the mother is a madrasa. The mother is a university on her own. Ida A'adatta, if you prepare her well, that's why we must raise our daughters to become mothers, to become teachers, to become universities for the Ummah of Muhammad So he says, the mother is a madrasa. If you prepare her well, you have prepared a nation of great stock. So the mothers that are listening to this program, instead of putting your children in front of Cartoon Network, and in front of Nickelodeon, and in front of Disney Channel, Yes, I know all of these channels. <laughs> and not that I watch them, but I'm aware of them and I'm, I'm aware of their harm. The child sitting in front of that TV for hours and hours and hours on end. Some of those cartoons, honestly, if you watch them, you would think that the people who devised them, who created them, who put them together, have a mental illness. If you see what these poppinches are doing on the screen mm. and you think what in what way is this benefiting our children so instead of putting them in front of these uh, crazy cartoon channels let them put them in front of the uh, of the computer put Aqidat uh, al-Awam on for them you know let them memorize it remember children are like sponges and memorization at a young age, the ulama say, is like engraving into stone. Mm-hmm. If they memorize it at a young age, it will be like engraving, it will stay with them for the rest of their lives. Memorization in old age is like writing in the mud. You know what happens when you, if you go to the beach and you write in the, in the wet sand, what happens? You know, after a while it just disappears. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that we can't memorize uh, at an old age. We just have to make more effort. But if we can expose our children to these poems that were initially summarized, made easy, so that even children could learn them, then can we imagine what they can build on from that? Of course, the Quran takes first preference. And then the memorization of the ahadith. Memorizing the Quran, memorizing the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and then memorizing these didactic poems. Wallahi, there is great, great fa'idah. There is great benefit in it for our children. And inshallah ta'ala, it's something that we should encourage them to do. Uh, in fact, I've, uh, I'm going to be uploading this, inshallah, after the program. I've already uploaded the text of the poem, 34 line long poem. And um, I have chosen two audio. In fact, the one is MP4. It's got the text 
with the audio in the background. And uh, especially for our children, it can be sung like a song, like a qasida. Can I play it? Yes, sure. Inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. عدل ضابط عن مثله معتمد في ضبطه ونقله in those few first lines after the introduction there the author explains to us what an authentic hadith is what are the five conditions of an authentic hadith imagine our children must memorize that as a qasida no problem singing it in a song no problem they'll have it memorized and they can build on from that at a later stage that's an encouragement for all the mothers out there and inshallah for the fathers that are also very much involved and we should be involved in the education of our children from a young age then certainly this is something that uh, we need to revive in our community we mustn't just learn to forget because that is the that is the modus operandi at school today you learn to forget you just pass the exams and everything that you learned for the exams after the exams you have forgotten it mm. as if you never learnt it we want to change that inshallah ta'ala so chronologically speaking from the first scholar who wrote about the science we see the development up to ibn salah from which all the great ulama return al-hafiz ibn hajj al-asqalani al-imam al-zarqashi Al-Hafidh al-Iraqi, they all go Al-Imam al-Nawawi, Al-Imam al-Suyuti, until eventually we get to Al-Imam al-Bayquni who does something revolutionary. Because all these other scholars, mashallah, have been serving the science with works of great detail. Thousand line poems. Even Al-Imam al-Suyuti also has a thousand line poem in the science. But then, a few hundred years later, Al-Imam al-Bayquni, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him, he summarizes the essence, the most important aspects, categories, classifications of the science of hadith, he summarizes it into 34 lines. And so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward him for doing that. There are various commentaries that have been uh, put together on this Manduma al-Bayquniya. One of them is in my hands here. It is a, a more contemporary a sharh, a more contemporary uh, commentary just called Sharh al-Mandumat al-Bayquniya, a commentary on the uh, al-Bayquni uh, didactic poem fi Mustal al-Hadith in the science of the classification uh, of Hadith. And uh, there are also some, uh, some other commentaries that uh, have also been written um, by Sheikh Tahir al-Jazairi Tawjih al-Nadhar ila Asur al-Athar is also a commentary on al-Bayquniya. Um, and we also have the um, the commentary of Jamaluddin al-Qasimi, Qawaid al-Tahdith, min fununi mustal al-Hadith. And uh, inshallah ta'ala, um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit us with these works. Bi-idhnillah al-Wahad al-Ahad. So, uh, inshallah ta'ala, we will uh, return after the break and then uh, inshallah continue.
Definitely we will be returning after the break, so stay tuned for that. The Voice of Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me. To know that you can send through your comments through to our WhatsApp number on 072-238-0712. Any questions that you want answered, we'll definitely be looking at that and interact with us inshallah. But for now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stopped just before the ad break. And also just a mental note, not to forget that the Voice of the Gates annual Ping chapter that will be happening next week, Tuesday the 31st of October inshallah to also come down in your pink and your white or whichever color that you are wearing as long as it is <coughs> pink and it will be at mashal goods but for now sheikh over to you bismillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd sister yasmina respected listeners of the voice of the cape assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh yes before the break we were just rounding off a little introduction to the author and his work Al-Manzumat al-Bayquniya, this didactic poem on the classification and terminology of the science of hadith. Uh, just one correction, the last two works that I mentioned are actually not commentaries on the poem, they are just contemporary works, because we were speaking chronological order from the one, the first one to have written in the science to two famous works that have been recently, uh, let's say in the last in the last sort of hundred years, uh, I mentioned uh, Sheikh Tahir al-Jazairi, who passed away in the year 1338, uh, Hijri, that was uh, just over a hundred years ago, as well as Jamaluddin al-Qasimi, who passed away 1332, also just over a hundred years ago. Uh, his book called Qawaid al-Tahdith, min Fununi Mustalah al-Hadith. So these are just some of the famous works that uh, have been written for those uh, students of Deen who are out there studying at uh, various uh, Darul Ulooms and Ma'ahid. Uh, you will know of these books and you'll know where to get them, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, for us at home, inshallah ta'ala, that uh, just want to get the basic benefit, uh, inshallah, um, for those that uh, like the poetry and inshallah put your children in front of the computer, play the poem to them, let them memorize it, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, for those that want to memorize, inshallah, it will be uploaded onto the Google Drive. I believe that, Sister Yasmina, that you have spoken to the technical team, and they will be uploading, uh, or they will be uploading the link for yesterday's uh, class on Aqiratul Awam. Yes, uh, Sheikh, it's going to be very easy. We are looking at having the link on our website page. So if you are going to be going onto our website page, the link will be there and it will take you straight through to the Google Drive where you'll find all of the information that she has been uploaded, inshallah. So do also stay tuned for that. And uh, for our study of hadith using this didactic poem, Al-Bayquniya, I have, alhamdulillah, I have managed to get hold of a complete English translation with the Arabic that I will be uploading. The Arabic on the own, um, on its own, just for, for reading and memorizing, um, as well as uh, the audio, the audio and the video, uh, as well as, inshallah ta'ala, uh, an introduction to the study of hadith sciences. Um, in the English language as well, a beautiful lecture in the English language on an introduction to the study of of this science of, of hadith. So inshallah ta'ala, now that we have uh, looked at the author and looked at this, uh, the, uh, where this work fits in uh, 
um, in the science of of ulum al hadith or mustalah al hadith. That is the name of this of the science. Ulum al hadith or mustalah al hadith. And um, before I go any further, I want us uh, just to go back. Uh, inshallah, last week we mentioned that when speaking generally of ulum al hadith, then there's two main aspects to ulum al hadith, and that is riwaya and diraya. Riwaya is basically what we are going to be studying in the second half of this program. When we are going to be looking at the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Not in terms of the chain of narration and studying the matan itself in terms of acceptance or rejection, in terms of it being authentic or not. No, that is the first half of our lesson on a Wednesday. We're going to be looking at it, dirayatan. So we have riwayatan and dirayatan. Riwayatan is basically all that which is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. In terms of what he said, in terms of what he did, in terms of what he approved of. Sometimes his approval was with words, sometimes his approval was with silence. An example of approval is when he said to the companions, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him. La tusallu salat al-asri illa fi Bani Qurayza. Don't pray salat al-asr until you get to Bani Qurayza. Bani Qurayza, one of the Jewish tribes on the outskirts of Medina. And so because they didn't get to Bani Qurayza before the sun had set, some of them used their own ijtihad. They made ijtihad. They interpreted the words of our beloved Prophet to mean that they must make Salat al-Asr, but not outside of the waqt. So in other words, they haven't arrived at Bani Quraidah yet, but it's time. It's almost time for Maghrib. So they made Salat al-Asr on the road to Bani Quraidah, where the others took the words literally of the Prophet ﷺ, and they waited till after Maghrib, until they got to Bani Quraidah to make Salat al-Asr. And the Prophet ﷺ approved of, of both. That's why it's so important that we have adbul ikhtilaf. We have etiquette of difference of opinion. Al-mujtahid, إِذَا أَصَابَ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا وَإِذَا أَخْطَأَ فَلَهُ أَجْرًا When a person uses their opinion, sound opinion based on knowledge, then the mujtahid, the interpretive judge, who has mastered all the sciences and makes or bases his opinion on sound knowledge, if he is right, he gets two rewards, and if he is incorrect, he gets one reward. So both opinions should be respected. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson and we are joined in studio by Sheikh Riyad Wolves. We are speaking about a hadith as well as we're a little bit later on we're going to be branching into those hadith inshallah. But for now I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where we stop just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafadu. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, just before the break, we were looking at the difference between in ilm al hadith, at diraya and riwaya. Diraya and riwaya. Riwaya is the study of the actual hadith, the study of 
the sayings of our beloved Prophet Muhammad what he said, studying what he said, studying what he did from the ahadith, studying what he approved of from the ahadith, studying the description of the Prophet whether it be a physical description or a description of his character from the ahadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad So when we speak about the riwayah, I want to drill this into us inshallah ta'ala starting with myself and then Sister Yasmina. Can you say the word Sister Yasmina? Riwayah. 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 And the other one? Diraya. 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 So on a Wednesday, if uh, you as a listener of Madrasa on air, if we must ask in terms of the of the subject of hadith, the broadest subject of hadith, or the broadest science of hadith, the first half of the program is Diraya. <laughs> the first half of the program is Diraya. And the second half of the program is Riwaya. So the first half of the program, we are going to be looking at the, uh, and there's two components of, of Diraya. Ar-Rawi wal-Marwi. Ar-Rawi, we're going to look at the narrators of the hadith and that which they narrated in terms of acceptance or rejection. Can we accept that hadith? Can we reject that hadith? Is it an authentic hadith? Is it a fair hadith? Is it a weak hadith? That is the subject of diraya, diraya, where we are going into the, if you like, nitty gritty of the hadith. Who narrated it? Who are the narrators in the chain of narration? And what did they narrate in terms of acceptance or Rejection. That is diraya. Whereas riwaya is studying the hadith itself, studying what the Prophet said, studying what uh, he did, studying what he approved of, studying the description, the physical or the character description of our beloved Prophet. We have a hadith, for example, that a fine line of hair went from his his uh, navel to his chest, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That we find in the. That's a physical description. Of the Prophet ﷺ. We have the description of what was the color of his skin. What was the length of his beard. We have all of that in what was his, his build. We have all of that in the, in the physical description of our beloved Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. And we have the hadith of Sayyidah Aisha with regards to his character. كانت خلقه القرآن That his character was the Qur'an. So when it comes to riwayah, and, and we have chosen the 40 a hadith that have been called, compiled by Imam al-Nawawi, that is, that is going to be our study of hadith, riwayatan. Ilmul hadith, riwayatan. We are going to narrate the hadith, and we're going to get the lessons from the hadith. And that's why, if we are to speak about uh, the commentary of uh, Al-Hafidh ibn Hajj al-Asqalani on, uh, on Bukhari Fathul Bari, that is, that would be studying hadith riwayatan. Why? Because now Ibn Hajar is explaining the hadith to us. We are understanding the hadith. We are drawing the lessons from the hadith. We are learning the correct pronunciation of the hadith. We are memorizing the hadith. This is all to do with ilmul riwayah. Whereas ilmul diraya, no, only in terms of accepting the hadith or rejecting the hadith. Authenticity of the hadith, the soundness of the hadith, the fairness of the hadith, the weakness of the hadith, that is ilmul diraya with regards to the science of hadith. So, with regards to, and we are still in our first segment, it's almost done, with regards to, uh, to
to Diraya, we have said that there are two components. Al-Rawi wal Marwi. Meaning that we are going to be looking in the first segment of our science of, of, of hadith, in Mustallah hadith, we are going to be looking at we're going to be looking at the narrators and at the narration from the perspective of acceptance or rejection. Now, in the poem of Al-Bayquniya, Manzumat Al-Bayquniya, um, and inshallah ta'ala we are going to uh, go through it in detail from the Basmala, from uh, uh, in the beginning inshallah which is Abda'u Bilhamdi. And if you, if, if you, if you remember Aqirat Al-Awam, he says Abda'u Bismillahi. And Manzumat uh, Al-Bayquniya, he says Abda'u Bilhamdi. So the one starts with the Basmala, the other one starts with the with a hamdala. But in actual fact, they all start with a basmala. It's just that it is not recommended to bring the basmala into the first line of poetry because the basmala has been revealed in the Quran. And the correct way of saying the basmala is Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Whereas in the Aqirat Lawam he says, Abda'u Bismillahi wa Rahmani wa bir Rahimi da'i mil ihsani. So but uh, the ulama have said, although it is, it, it is khilaf awla. In other words, it's it's something that's not recommended, but it's not it's not a mistake. It's not wrong, and especially for Aqidat al-Awam being uh, composed for the ordinary folk and especially for children, they thought in uh, he, he, it is said that the ulama said in order that they wouldn't leave out the basmala, he included the basmala into the into the first line of the of of the poem. But our poem on hadith. Starts with the basmala as it has been revealed in the Quran. Wa innu min Sulaiman wa innu Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. As it has been revealed in in that particular verse in Surah An-Nabat, that indeed the letter is from Sulaiman, and the letter is Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful. And inshallah next week, next week um, we are going to go uh, into the first aspect of the science of hadith that has not been mentioned uh, in the poem and that is looking at the hadith in terms of the number of chains or paths of narration mutawatir mashhur aziz gharib inshallah we're going to go into that next week in order for us to differentiate between how the Quran has come to us and some of the ahadith and how most of the sunnah has come to us in terms of transmission. But inshallah ta'ala we'll leave that uh, for next week um, and uh, after the break inshallah ta'ala we will go into our 40 ahadith of Al-Imam Al-Nawwi which is which part of Ilm Al-Hadith? Riwaya or Diraya? Riwaya. Riwaya. That's right Sister Yasmina. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We are now going to be going for our news break and when we come back, we'll go into the second part of this program which is Rewire. Stay tuned. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. The time is now just after 3 o'clock and that is on the dot. 
10 minutes past the hour of 3 and now we are going to be going into our second half of the program which is we are still with the subject matter of a hadith but within that we are looking at various other subtopics and the part of the discussion that we are going to be following through for this afternoon and for this time period now is of course the topic of riwaya as previously before the ad break she has been speaking a little bit about diraya as well as looking at what diraya is and so forth but for now we are going to be heading into riwaya Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu, Ala Rasulillah, Wa Ala Alihi, Wassahbihi, Waman Wala, Amma Bad. Respected listeners of the Voice of the Cape, Sister Yasmina, once again, Assalamu Alaikum, Warahmatullahi, Wabarakatuh. Yes, inshallah ta'ala, the second half of our program on hadith, as you have correctly stated, is going to be a riwayah, where we are going to be looking at the hadith themselves looking at the meaning of the hadith the lessons to be learned from the hadith inshallah ta'ala we're going to attempt to memorize the hadith inshallah with the correct pronunciation and this all falls under the study of ilmul hadith riwayatan meaning looking at the hadith of our beloved prophet sallallahu with regards to his words with regards to his deeds, with, the, with regards to the things that he approved of, and with regards to his physical as well as uh, description of his character. His physical description uh, as well as the description of his, of his character. The, so the study of this aspect of the science of, of hadith, we call this riwayatan. And the book, or the compilation of hadith, that I have, uh, or collection if you like, of a hadith that I have chosen for us to uh, to study in the second half of our of our subject of hadith is none other than the collection of the forty hadith of Al Imam Al Nawawi, uh, rahimahullahu taala rahmatan uh, wasi'a. And who is Imam Al Nawawi? Imam Al Nawawi, Muhyiddin Abu Zakaria Yahya. Ibn Sharaf al-Nawawi or for short Al-Imam al-Nawawi Yesterday we mentioned that a person can have three names He's وَمَا أَتَى مِنْهُ بِأُمِّنْ أَوْ بِأَبْ فَكُنْيَةٌ وَغَيْرُ وُسْمٌ أَوْ لَقَبٌ can have your name which you're given to you on the seventh day after your birth uh, that is your ism, your name and his name is is Yahya his laqab is Muhyiddin, the revival, the reviver of the religion. That's his laqab, that's his nickname. Imam al-Nawi, his nickname is Muhyiddin, the reviver of the religion. And his kunya is Abu Zakaria, the father of, of Zakaria. Rahimullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a. Al-Imam al-Nawi was born in the village of Nawa, in the vicinity of Damascus. Well, that's how they put it, but it's quite a distance out of uh, out of Damascus. And by the way, whenever you in Syria, you will always refer to Damascus as Sham, even though we know there's the greater Sham, the greater Sham, which includes Palestine, Lebanon, Jordan, and Syria. That's the greater Sham. But if you're in Syria and uh, you want to ask the taxi if he is going to to Damascus, you will ask him Nazir Sham in the colloquial Arabic, are you going to, to Sham, meaning to Damascus? And Damascus is actual, in actual fact the oldest continuously inhabited 
city on earth. The oldest continuously inhabited city on earth. It is the first city to have been established after the great flood. And the word Sham actually comes from the one of the sons of Nabi Nuh, the Prophet Noah, peace be upon him, Sam. He was the one who established the city of, of Sham. Uh, indeed a blessed city. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring peace and security and justice and prosperity back to the people of, of Sham. Uh, Damascus and the greater Syria and the greater Sham, I mean, and to the entire Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he was born in the year 631 after Hijrah, which is the year 1233 uh, AC, uh, after Nabi Isa. He grew up in Nawa and at the age of 19 he went to study in Damascus, which was considered at that time to be the center of learning and scholarship. And uh, I mean, up until recently, I mean, now it's because of the civil war, um, it's been difficult for people to go and study there. And many of the ulama have passed away and many of the ulama have uh, have moved. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Allah Taala blessed me to have been in, in Syria from uh, round about the year uh, 2000 until, uh, until 2003. And uh, subhanallah, uh, I was sitting with the, uh, the Abu Sha'ar brothers. Uh, there's actually six of them, but three of them couldn't come uh, to Cape Town. The, uh, the Anashid group, they had a, a show here at uh, the convention center, yes. Abu Sha'ar. In fact, they're very famous in Damascus. And when I was in Damascus, I saw them uh, on a few occasions. Um, reading their, reciting their Anashid, very beautiful, mashallah ta'ala. And uh, when they were visiting here, I, I sat with Abdurrahman, the, the youngest one uh, of the brothers, the youngest of the brothers. And we were just recalling some of the great uh, ulama, Sheikh Sadiq Habannaka, Sheikh Abdul Hassan Al Kurdi, Sheikh Mustafa Turkmani, Sheikh Muhammad Shukair, Sheikh Muhammad Said Ramadan Al Bouti. We just remember remembering some of the of the great ulama, Shah Muhammad Sukkar, um, and we realized after the end of our conversation that most of them are actually not there anymore. Uh, most of them have passed away. Sheikh Abdul Razak Al Halabi, Sheikh Ahmed Al Habbal, most of them have have passed away. And those who there are still some remaining in Damascus, uh, but many of them are in exile, living in Turkey and and other parts of of the Muslim world. But since the time of Al-Imam Nawawi, you're talking the year 1233 and even before then, and certainly after then, up until now, um, Damascus has always been a center of, of learning and scholarship in the Muslim world. And Al-Imam Nawawi, born in Nawa, moved to Damascus uh, at the age of 19. And it is said that he had such wara. He had such piety, Al-Imam Nawawi, that he would bring his food from Nawa, from the village. Like we would say, Fandi Plas. You know, because Nawa, I mean, uh, when I visited Nawa um, in the year, in fact, I first went to Nawa in, for the first time in 1999. Went to go and visit a friend of mine who I studied with in Medina. Um, in fact, he has passed away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him Jannah. Amen. Osama al-Yatim, 
Al-Yatim means the orphan, but that's actually the name of his family. Usama Al-Yatim. And he was from uh, Qaryat Jasim, which is just next to Nawa, the village of, of, of Jasim. And just to give you an idea of the, uh, of the hospitality of the, of the Syrian people, we knocked on his door, and uh, as the Syrians uh, would uh, ask in the colloquial Arabic, mean, meaning man, who is there? So I explained that I'm a friend of Usama. We studied together in Medina. Now, if you had to go and visit somebody, a family of somebody here in Cape Town or Johannesburg or whatever, generally speaking, generally speaking, and the friend wasn't there, would the people force you to stay? No. Not necessarily. Maybe, maybe, maybe some people. Yes. Maybe some, depending, depending, uh, you know, on... Um, Especially on the understanding of what is hospitality and especially hospitality in Islam. Mm. I'm not saying that only Muslims are hospitable. There are many nations very hospitable. But hospitality hospitality is not just something we do by the wayside. Hospitality. Our beloved Prophet says, Whoever believes in Allah and the last day, then let them honor their guest. Doesn't matter who he is. So I knocked on the door. The mother of uh, Usama, she asked, uh, Min, man, who is there? I said, it's Riyadh, a friend of Usama's. Um, we studied together in, in Medina. He said, no, Usama is not here. He's in Saudi Arabia. But please come inside. And I said, no, no, we don't want to, to bother you if he's not here. No, 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 you have to come inside. And then she called her husband, uh, Usama's father. And they insisted uh, there was four of us, and they insisted that we go, that we go inside. They sat us down. The father came and chatted to us. They brought us some drinks, and uh, we sat there. And in the meantime, she went outside. She slaughtered two chickens. Uh, she uh, sk- skinned them. She roasted them. Uh, she made uh, vegetables and chips and salads and everything, and she brought it in a big tabak. You know, we call a kuncha, that big tabak, those big silver plates. You know, uh, just close to an hour later, she brought in this big plate, and we had a, you know, a great feast together. That evening, the my other three companions had to go back to Damascus, but they, because I was Osama's friend, they insisted that I spend the night uh, in their house. And the next day, uh, we still went, and we uh, we went to go and visit the uh, the qabr of. Al-Imam al-Nawi. So I'm jumping the gun here because Al-Imam al-Nawi has only just left Nawa. So uh, inshallah, let's go back to the story and then I'll come back to where, he's, where he is buried and my experience inshallah ta'ala of when I went to go and visit, uh, visit his qabr. Rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'ah. Madrasa on A. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You are tuned to 91.3 FM. This is, of course, your program, Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson, along with Sheikh Riyad, who's in studio. But for now, I'm going to be handing back over to Sheikh to continue on the story just before the ad break. Sheikh Tafatul. 
Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Yes, just before the break we were talking a little bit about Al-Imam Al-Nawi, the author of Al-Arba'oon Al-Arba'oon, Arba'oon Hadithan, the 40 Hadith that Al-Imam Al-Nawi collected and compiled into a book which is famously known as Al-Arba'in Al-Nawawi Al-Arba'in Al-Nawawi, meaning the 40 Ahadith that Al-Imam Al-Nawawi Rahimullah Ta'ala collected and compiled. Inshallah Ta'ala, we are going to be studying uh, those 40 Hadith in this segment of our uh, topic on Hadith. Every Wednesday, Inshallah Ta'ala, our second segment, which has to do with Riwayah. And uh, Inshallah Ta'ala, before the break, we were speaking a little bit about who is Al-Imam Muhyiddin Abu Zakariya Yahya ibn Sharaf al-Nawawi Born in 631 after Hijra 1233 in the Gregorian calendar Moved to Damascus at the age of 19 And Al-Imam al-Nawawi He was of such great piety That he used to bring all of his food From From Nawa from his home and uh, because he was afraid of eating something in which there was doubt in Damascus I mean this is in the 13th century um, how much doubt was there Damascus was inhabited mostly by by Muslimin everything was being slaughtered wifqan uh, al-sharia al-islamiyya in accordance with the Islamic laws but this was just his wara this was just his his piety. Um, piety which is probably the most important ingredient in the acquisition of knowledge. Allah. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be mindful of Allah, be, con- be conscious of Allah in your daily life, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will teach you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up your heart, open up your mind. We have the famous um, the famous uh, poem of uh, or saying of Al-Imam Shafi'i when he said Shakotu ila waqi'in su'ahivdi fa'arshadni ila tarkil ma'asi waqala bi'anna l'ilma nurun wa nurullahi la yuhda li'asi he said I complained to waqi' waqi' was his ustad was his teacher because it happened one day Al-Imam Shafi'i was walking down the road and the wind blew and it blew a lady's abaya. But what did he see? All he saw was her ankle. And he didn't even look at it, he just saw it. And we know that in Islam, what you see, unintentionally, you are not blameworthy of that. That's why our beloved Prophet says, That one glance follows another glance. You have the first one, you are forgiven for what you saw. But you are not forgiven But you don't have the second one In other words If you look after, after seeing After seeing What you shouldn't be seeing You look away You are forgiven for that But if you look again well, Some people think they are clever They say no but I'm still busy with the first look No it doesn't work like that 
النظر سهم من سهام إبليس مسموم فمن غض بصره أرثه الله الحلاوة في أي حلاوة الإيمان في قلبه أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم that a glance says our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is an arrow from the poisonous arrows of shaitan that's why Allah SWT orders us to, to do what? to lower our gaze وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُدُّوا مِنْ أَبَصَارِهِمْ وَيَحْفَظُوا فُرُوجَهُمْ and say to the believing men that they must lower their gazes and they must protect their private parts and those two go together those two uh, certainly go together uh, in the hadith of our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam guarantee to me six things from yourselves I guarantee that you'll go to paradise Number one, usduku ida hadathtum. If you speak, speak the truth. Wa'awfu ida wa'adtum. If you make a promise, keep it. Wa'addu ida tumintum. If you take on a trust, fulfill it. Wa'ghuddu abasarakum. Lower your gazes. Wa'hfudu furujakum. Protect your private parts. Wa'kufu aidiakum. And restrain your hands. Subhanallah. Beautiful hadith. Guaranteed, inshallah, if we look after those six things, guaranteed entry into paradise. Bi'idnillah ta'ala. So, Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, he just saw the lady's ankle. The wind blew, her abaya lifted slightly, and he saw her ankle. Immediately he lowered his gaze. And as according to the hadith, he is forgiven for that. But because of his piety, he went to go and complain to his ustad because he felt like his, his memory has now been tarnished because of seeing the lady's ankle. I mean, you know, in this modern age of social media and television and magazines and all these images and especially us living in a in a non-western country or oh sorry in a in a non-muslim no. country in a western country mm. western in terms of its culture especially in terms of its dress code um, you know in comparison to what we are exposed to look at the, at the wara look at the, at the taqwa look at the piety uh, of somebody like al-imam shafi and also we're speaking about al-imam uh, al-imam al-nawi rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a so Imam Shafi, after seeing the ankle, he feels now his memory has been tarnished. A memory, by the way, with which he memorized the hadith of the Muwatta of Imam Malik. About 500 hadith, taqriban. Which he memorized in nine evenings. 500 hadith, which he memorized, plus minus, 500 plus minus hadith, which he memorized in nine evenings under the light of the moon. Under the light of, Sister Yasmina, under the light of the moon, Imam Shafi was very poor. In fact, Imam Shafi used to attend the sittings of Hadith of Al Imam Malik in Medina, and he was a student of Al Imam Malik. But when he first came to the sitting, Al Imam Shafi was so poor he didn't have money to buy paper or parchment or pen or ink to write on the parchment or the paper so you know what he used to do he used to wet his finger and as Imam Malik would narrate the hadith he used to write on his finger the hadith with his sorry he used to write on his hand he used to write on his hand with his finger the hadith and he would memorize it if you remember uh, last week, Monday, we spoke about the virtues of knowledge. Mm. 
Yes. And how important it is to memorize. Mm. And one of the ways in which we can memorize is to write things down. The other way is repetition. And we should use both. Uh, what does the poet say? العلم صيد والكتابة قيده قيد سيودك بالحبال الواثقة فمن الحماقة أن تصيد غزالة ثم تتركها بين الخلائق طالقة That knowledge is prey and writing it down is securing it. Secure your prey with strong rope. Why? So it doesn't run away. Secure your prey so it doesn't run away. Now I'm also making some poetry here. <laughs> Secure your prey so it doesn't run away. Why? Because Because it is of insanity to catch a gazelle, to catch a buck. Then you just leave it running around in the wild. So Imam Shafi, but he, what does he do now? He, he wants to write things down because he wants to memorize them. But he doesn't have pen, he doesn't have ink and he doesn't have paper to write on. So what does he do? Wets his finger and writes on his hand. And Imam Malik sees him doing this. He's a young man. He's a young man. And he sees him doing this and he thinks that here is a young man coming to play around in my, in my class. So he says, Ya hadha atabathu fi majlisi hadith Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says, oh my boy, are you playing around in the gathering of the hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad mm-hmm. and, and Imam Malik took this sitting, this class was the most important class for Imam Malik. He used to put on the most beautiful white clothing, the most expensive writer that he could afford, that he could afford, he would put on, he would take wudu, and that is how he would sit in when he taught hadith, Imam Malik. That's how seriously he took he took it so seriously that there's there's a rewind, there's a narration that on one occasion he was stung by a scorpion. I don't know, fourteen or seventeen times. He was stung by a scorpion. But because he was narrating the hadith of the Prophet, he didn't move. And when afterwards when they discovered that he'd been stung, they said, but why didn't you stop? He said, I didn't want to break the narration mm-hmm. of the hadith of our beloved Prophet That's how seriously they took the, uh, the study of the sunnah. Uh, subhanallah. Subhanallah ta'ala grant us that um, reverence and respect that we should have for the sunnah of our beloved Prophet Muhammad So Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, He's now writing the hadith on his hand with his finger. Mm-hmm. And Imam Malik says, are you playing around? Are you messing around in my class? And Imam Shafi explains, I, I'm not messing around. He says, Hasha lillah, certainly I'm not, wasting, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not messing around, I'm not playing in your class. He says, I'm, I didn't have any money to buy a pen or ink or parchment. So I was writing the hadith Wetting my finger and writing the hadith on my hand with my finger and then memorizing it. So he said, Qum, stand up. He said, right. Every hadith with its chain of narration, repeat it to me as you have heard it and written it on your hand since the beginning of this class. And Imam Shafi stood up and he gave back every single hadith with the chain of narration. So after seeing the lady's ankle, he's now worried. His uh, his memory has been been tarnished. So he goes to he goes to his Ustad Waqir 
and he, and he he narrates this in this poem. He says, "Shakotu ila waqi'in su ahivdi." He says, "I complained to Waqi, my teacher, about the weakness of my memory." فَأَرْشَدَنِي إِلَى تَرْكِ الْمَعَاصِي So he told me to leave disobedience to Allah. Don't disobey Allah if you want to acquire knowledge. وَقَالَ بِأَنَّ الْعِلْمَ نُورٌ And he said that knowledge is light. وَنُورُ اللَّهِ لَا يُهْدَى لِعَاصِي And the light of Allah is not given to the one who disobeys him. So in light of that, if we look at the life of Al-Imam al-Nawi, we can understand why Al-Imam al-Nawi was such a learned person. Why was such a great alim? Why was such a great scholar? Because like Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, he was a person that was so mindful and conscious of not disobeying Allah in his life. That he even, he even left things which were openly considered to be halal in case they might be haram. That was the habit of the Sahaba. They would leave 70 doors of halal just out of fear of falling into one door of haram. And uh, in light of the hadith of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu this will make more sense when we look at the hadith where our beloved Prophet sallallahu says, ma Leave that which you doubt for that which you, which you don't doubt. So this was the habit of Al-Imam al-Nawi. He used to fetch all of his food from the village, from his, uh, from his mother, where he knew that, Alhamdulillah, it's 100% halal, and he took it with him uh, to Damascus, where he studied in the uh, famous school of Dar al-Hadith al-Khairiyah, and where he learned from the greatest scholars of his time. He, he had more than 20 celebrated teachers, regarded as masters and authorities in their fields and disciplines. He studied hadith, he studied Islamic jurisprudence, fiqh and its usul, its principles. He studied syntax, etymology, all the sciences of the Arabic language. He studied from great scholars such as Abu Ibrahim, Ishaq, Ibn Ahmad, Al-Maghribi, Abu Muhammad, Abdul Rahman, Ibn Ibrahim, Al-Fazari. He studied with uh, Sheikh Al-Mudari, he studied with uh, uh, Yusuf al-Nabulusi, Abdul Baqi Khalid bin Yusuf al-Nabulusi, and Abu Abbas Ahmad bin Salim al-Musri studied with the greatest scholars uh, of his time, and he had an endless thirst for knowledge. And just in terms of again, uh, Al Imam Nawawi, uh, he was poor like Al Imam Shafi'i, and he only had enough money for a, a turban that went once around his head. You know, today, mashallah, you know, this, the average size for the turban is like, you know, we go measure it out at the, at the fabric shop, three meters. Three meters is the average uh, uh, length of a, of, of a nicely sized turban. No, we didn't have money for that. He uh, only had, he only had enough money for a turban that went, went once around his head. And he had a tattered thobe that people would make fun of him. But when he went into the masjid and he opened his mouth and he started teaching, the fiqh and started teaching the hadith and started teaching the the language of the holy quran whatever he had to teach in dahashu they were blown away by his 
by his knowledge rahimahullah ta'ala Beautiful, the voice of Sheikh Riyad will speak to us more in our program Adrasa on e developing Islam in me. For now, we break for ads and when we come back, we'll conclude with the show. Stay tuned. The voice of Adrasa on e. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on a developing Islam in me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wolf in studio and this afternoon definitely our topic is a hadith but we're looking under the banner and Sheikh has just, uh, just before the ad break Sheikh has been sharing in terms of some history, in terms of some stories related into the author that we are going to be looking at and that is none other than Imam Nawawi and that is in terms of where he was born as well as how he was raised and so forth. Also branching into Imam Shafi as well as Imam Malik. But for now, we I head over to Sheikh to continue the program inshallah and definitely also to conclude. Sheikh Tafadol. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Once again, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So Imam Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala um, at first when he went to Damascus and I mentioned, you know, he used to bring all of his food from uh, from Nawa, from the village, from his mother. And he first studied in uh, Al-Jam al-Umawi. Al-Jam al-Umawi, the Umayyad mosque in, uh, in Damascus. And then he moved on to Madrasa Rawahiya. And um, he says that uh, I studied in this institution for two years during my stay. I, at Madrasa Rawahiya, I never had complete rest and lived on the limited food supplied by the institution. As a routine, he used to sleep very little at night. When it became irresistible as a human being, he would lean and slumber for a while against the support of his books. After a short duration, he would again be hard at his scholastic pursuits. He studied 12 subjects a day. And uh, he wrote many, uh, many commentaries on every subject that he that he studied rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a whatever books he read he would write marginal notes and explanations on each book his intelligence hard work love devotion and absorption absorption in his studies amazed his teachers and they became fond of him and began to praise and admire him allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also conferred upon him the gift of fast memorization and depth of thought Al-Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala made full benefit of this gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and potential and earned the highest degree of honor. You know, Al-Imam al-Nawawi, he didn't, uh, he didn't live very long. I mean, if we look uh, that he was born in 631 and he died in, in 676. How many years is that? It's 45. 631. Plus 45 gives us 676, only 45 years old. Yet in that short time that he lived, you know, he has left behind him a treasure of knowledge. You know, on, on just, about, just about every important subject um, of the Islamic sciences. In fact, when it comes to fiqh, you know, in, in the Shafi Madhab, we speak about the, the mutaqaddimin and the mutaakhirin. The scholars that uh, that came of old, and then the more recent scholars. And if there is anyone that we rely on in the Shafi Madhab of the 
scholars of the basically what the, we call the mutaqaddimin those that came uh, first in the, the first uh, important generations of 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 fuqaha then we rely on the qawl of al-imam al-nawi he's considered to be the the main scholar in the in the shafi madhab of the earlier scholars and of the later scholars ibn hajar al-haytami but some of the great works that he's left behind i mean riyad al-salihin also a collection of ahadith if you go in, into the Arab world, in almost every single, in many masajid in Cape Town and South Africa as well, you will find in almost every masjid, you'll find a copy of Riyadh al-Salihin. A uh, compilation of, collection of hadith put together by Al-Imam al-Nawawi. His, uh, his sharh, his commentary on Sahih Muslim is a standard textbook for the study of hadith in all major institutions, all important institutions, anywhere in the Muslim world. His Al-Minhaj in Shafi Fiqh again is... Is, is a book that most of the Shafi scholars uh, will refer back to. Um, his books on Ulum uh, al-Hadith, also very pl- plentiful, very detailed, and also considered to be uh, a great resource in the study of, uh, of Hadith. And, uh, and many other subjects uh, he wrote on Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Rahmatan Wasi'a. Imam al-Nawawi, he led a life of singular piety. Righteousness and simplicity. After over 20 years of study, he returned to his hometown of Noah. He fell ill, and as I mentioned, he passed away in the year 676 after Hijrah, the year 1278 in the Gregorian calendar. When I visited the Qabr of Imam Noah, now it is said, Allah Alam, Allah SWT knows best, but it has been narrated that one of the wasaya, one of the, the advices, that uh, Al-Imam al-Nawi gave on his deathbed is that nothing should be built over his over his qabr nothing should be built over his qabr and years later people came along and they and they built something over the over the qabr of this was the, this was his, uh, we're not talking about the permissibility of building over the or, or, or the impermissibility we're not talking about that but it was his personal request that he didn't want anything built over his qabr so, when years later people came along and they built something over his qabr, when I visited his qabr in, in the year 1999, um, and Allah is my witness, Sister Yasmin and respected listeners, there was a, a tree that had grown out from the middle of his qabr. I'm talking about a big, a thick trunk, a big tree. And it had literally, because now there, was, there were the walls that were left over of the structure, but the roof was gone. Why? Because this tree had literally grown through the roof and destroyed the structure. And I saw this with my own eyes. I, mean, I didn't see the tree growing, of course, but when I got there, there was this big tree that had grown out from the middle of the qabr of Al-Imam al-Nawi and had literally um, destroyed the structure that the people had built uh, over his over his qabr, rahimahullah ta'ala. And this is again just a mark of, of his piety and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, not only did he accept um, his works from him, but even his du'as uh, in his lifetime and even after he had left this world. Rahimahullah ta'ala, rahmatan wasi' Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah envelop him in his mercy and all the great scholars of Islam. And inshallah ta'ala, I leave you in the protection of Allah until next week when we will open his 
a very important compilation of 40 ahadith of the uh, the words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and inshallah we will go into that next week fi amanillah i leave you in the prediction of allah wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillah rabbil alamin wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh